the past few weeks you've been engaging with the message in the chat. And I just want to remind you, it's okay to do that. We'd love for you to engage with the message um, in the chat. Um, we're in the middle of this series called In the Meantime. And if you've missed any of the messages of this series, we'd love for you to go to our website or go to our YouTube channel and check out those messages there. But basically, we're asking the question together, what do you do when it seems like there's nothing you can do? What do you do when there's nothing in that you can do? When life takes a turn for the worst, or when you're in a set of circumstances, or you're in a season of life where you weren't prepared for it, you didn't expect it, you didn't ask for it, you didn't wish for it, and it just doesn't seem like you know when the season is going to end, if it is even going to end. And really, for all of us right now, we're in sort of that season. We're in an in the meantime season of life right now with the coronavirus and shelter in place. And we're trying to figure out what do we do when it seems like there's nothing that we can do. And when something bad happens to you or something um, goes wrong in your life, it's sort of easy for us to look at and jump into problem solving mode or damage control mode in a sense. Um, because when something goes wrong, we just sort of want to avoid it. We want to make sure that it doesn't happen again. We want to move past it and we want to solve it as quickly as we possibly can. And that's all sort of natural. And we want to really make sure that we have to, that we can actually rather avoid as much pain as possible, except whatever's absolutely necessary, right? We don't want this to continue on longer than it has to. And basically as part of that sort of problem solving, damage control sort of mode that we get into, many of us, we sort of start to ask some normal questions along with that. Like, why did this happen? Who's at fault? Who's to blame? Um, how long is this gonna last? And then we sort of start to ask, God, are you mad at me? Like, God, are you punishing me for something that I've done? Are you punishing us for something we've done? Did I do something to deserve this? And after sort of those initial wave of questions, we sort of go into a new set of questions that maybe some of you are asking as well. How do we figure this thing out? Like, how do we solve this problem? How do we get past it? How do we avoid it? How do we prevent it from happening again or keep it from happening so it never happens ever again? And it's sort of normal for us to ask those questions. But it's not just us that have asked those questions. Really, people throughout history have asked these difficult questions. When they've seen something wrong with the world, when they've seen something broken in the world, they ask these sort of big questions about life. And I want to just kind of pause for a second to remind you what we've been saying the last few weeks is that the friends and the followers of Jesus were no strangers to adversity. That sometimes we think like following Jesus, it's going to sort of be better and perfect, but it's not going to be perfect. It might be better because Jesus is with us, but we are not going to avoid adversity in this life. And when they looked at something, when the early followers of Jesus looked at something and saw something wrong or broken in the world, they also asked questions. So it's okay to ask questions. And so really today, we're going to look at a conversation that Jesus had with his closest followers in John chapter 9. And in this conversation, something happens that they see is wrong. And so they ask Jesus some big questions. They have some big questions about it. And the questions are really similar to what you and I might ask if we saw something broken or wrong in the world. But the questions aren't what we're going to focus our time on. What we're going to focus our time on today is Jesus' answer and his response to those questions. Because if we'll look at that really carefully, I think that can help shift how we see this in the meantime situation and also how we respond to this in the meantime situation. So if you want to follow along, we're going to be in John chapter 9. You can jump in the Bible app. If you haven't heard, the Bible app is a way you can read the Bible in various languages or translations. We also have the notes in the Bible app, but you can also follow along on the screen here or up in the chat. We have the link as well. We'd love for you to follow along that way. But John chapter 9, again, this is a conversation with Jesus and his followers. Uh, verse 1, it says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, they, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? And basically, they're sort of asking the question, Who sinned? Who did wrong? Who, who's to blame? Was it the parents or was it the, the kid? Uh, who, who's at fault and why did this happen to this man? 
And they're sort of focusing on what's wrong, right? They're identifying the problem and they're focusing on it, which is sort of normal, again, to do. But we do need to pause for just a moment and sort of acknowledge the awkwardness and the uncomfortableness of this conversation. That the man that they're talking about is sitting right there. He can hear the question that they're asking Jesus. And either the disciples are just not very socially aware and they don't realize what's happening, or they're just too quick to ask Jesus this question, or, or maybe a third option as we're going to see in just a moment. But whatever the case is, um, they're forgetting that the man is nearby and then he can hear what they're asking. And so I sort of think about the blind guy just sitting there sort of minding his own business and, and all of a sudden he hears these guys come along and they're asking Jesus this question, Rabbi, why is this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Was it his fault? Was it his parents' fault? Like, who caused this thing? And the man, the blind man, must be just like sort of sitting there thinking to himself like, ah, hello, I'm right here, I can hear you. I'm blind, I'm not deaf, right? And they're just saying this thing to this man with, that he can hear them. And while the disciples are asking an important question, it's not a bad question necessarily, they're treating this person like he's a problem to solve rather than a person to love. And they're sort of missing some of the opportunity that they have in this situation. Because do you think that this man felt loved by their question, right? Like, do you think that this blind man felt loved because they were asking this question? I don't think so. But it can be kind of normal sometimes for us to ask sort of questions and see people sometimes as problems to solve rather than people to love. And specifically in this situation, it's not necessarily good, but it can sort of be normal. It's, it's sometimes what our habit can be naturally. To sort of, in this situation, to see our kids as problems to solve rather than children to love through this quarantine. And my kids can get on my nerves just like your kids can get on your nerves. But sometimes we see them that way. Um, sometimes we see this sort of shelter-in-place situation as a Republican or Democrat issue and forget about the people that are actually suffering because of this. And we're trying to figure out how to open our economy, which is an important part of this process. But sometimes we forget the fact that there are still people suffering with health problems while there are also people suffering with financial and economic problems as well. On a practical level, I think we can all sort of identify and, and relate to the question that Jesus' disciples asked Jesus. I think on some level we all can because they saw something that wasn't supposed to be that way. They saw something that wasn't right. They saw someone who was broken and they were curious. They wanted to know. And we want to know, right? We want to know why. And it's an important question. And Jesus, when he's faced with this really important question, um, like of who caused this and why, you know, why did this happen and who sinned, the man or his, his parents or just why did this sort of thing happen? When he responds to this question, luckily for those of you with challenging kids right now or situations that are out of your control, he didn't respond saying, it was the parents' fault. They never should have gotten married in the first place. Or it was the parents' fault, like they sinned in, the past, in their past and, and now I'm punishing them, I'm taking away their kids something and, and I'm punishing their kids for it. He, he didn't say that like they never should have had this child in the first place. It is the parents' fault. Luckily, he didn't say any of that. He didn't say it was the parents' fault. And for the rest of us without kids or with kids, he also didn't say that it was the man's fault. He didn't say it was the man's fault because he sinned previously or he's going to sin and, and God's somehow mad at him and he's going to take away his vision, he's going to withhold his vision because God's angry and he's going to get even with the man. Jesus didn't say it was the man's fault either. And the answer that Jesus did have in the face of this question, I think for us, can really help shift our perspective of how we view these in the meantime seasons of life. And Jesus said this in verse 3, he said, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. And really, it's sort of interesting. Jesus doesn't even hesitate when he answers the question, when he gives his first answer. He basically says, I understand why you're asking this. I know you wa why you're wanting to focus on this thing, but you're focused on the wrong thing. I'm actually more concerned about something else. 
And so Jesus continues, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. And basically this thing happened so that God's power could be on display through this man's circumstances in his life. And again, he's sort of indicating that he understands the nature of the question. He's, he says, yeah, I know you're focused on who's to blame and who's at fault and, and what went wrong and why is this man experiencing this brokenness? And maybe even shifting to how can you solve his problem? How can you fix his problem? Because maybe it's a sin problem or, you know, how do I avoid this in my own life in some, in some ways? Like, how do I get out of this circumstance or how do I prevent this circumstance for happening to somebody else? But you're focused on the wrong thing. Like, I want you to be focused on the right thing. And the right thing to be focused on is God's power to restore in this man's life. And it's on display in this man's circumstances, in his life. And really, I think the same is true and the same, same is true for you and the same is true for me in our circumstances as well. And while it's natural to sort of ask those questions of what went wrong or how do I figure this out or how do I move past this? How do I avoid this in my life? At some point, the better question is to sort of shift a little bit of our focus to shifting to saying, how could God's power be on display in this situation and in this circumstance? And really there's a couple different challenges to that, right? That's a big shift for some of us to shift our focus and our, our mindset. The first big sort of challenge to that is that um, if you haven't read the rest of the story, I do want to let you know that right after this, Jesus does heal this man of his blindness. And he so, sort of performs a miracle and restores his sight. But I don't think the point of the story is the miracle. Because if you read the rest of John's account, which John is the one who wrote this, if you read the rest of John's account towards the end, he gives us the reason for writing everything down for all the miracles. And he says that all the miracles were just a sign. And they were a sign to point people to Jesus. Because miracles, almost by nature and by definition, catch our attention. And John says those miracles weren't the end all. They were just to point people to Jesus so they would believe in Jesus. Because if you look at the miracles, if the miracles were the point, then Jesus would have healed everybody permanently. And they would never have died. But the reality is there's no people still living that were healed by Jesus today because they all eventually died. And Jesus temporarily healed them so that they would point them to Jesus and so they would look toward Jesus and put their faith in him as, as his power was bigger than this world and his power could restore them in a way that's bigger than this physical world that we live in. So one of the challenges is that um, when we ask the question, how could God's power be on display through this? One of the challenges is that we always want God to remove that circumstance. <laughs> like, how could God's power be in display in the circumstance? Well, he could just remove it, right? But what happens if he doesn't remove it in our lives? Which is true many times in many of our circumstances. So that's the first challenge. The second challenge really is, um, when we ask this sort of question, it's completely possible that God's power is on display, but we just can't see it or we aren't willing to see it in our lives. We don't realize it. Because for many of us, when we're in the, in the meantime situation of life, it's just so difficult. Something so difficult is happening that it's equally difficult to see God's power at work in our lives and to see anything good coming from that situation. Because it's so much easier to focus on the bad right in front of me and what's wrong and figuring out the problem and why did this happen? How can we avoid this? But once we take a step out of the situation, once we're able to gain perspective outside of the situation, which usually comes from the distance of time, right? We're able to sort of, sort of look back and see things much clearer. And usually that's referred to as hindsight is 2020, right? And maybe some of you, you can think back to other in the meantime seasons of life where you can look back now and say, in that season, in that circumstance, I couldn't see anything good coming from that. But now, you know, with a different perspective, with a little bit of distance, I wouldn't wish that situation on anybody. I wouldn't wish that circumstance on anyone. 
But now I can see how God was using that to shape me and to change me and to make me into the person that I am today. And it actually helped me in my life. Because here's our point for today. When we focus on what's broken, we can lose sight of what God wants to restore. And when we, when we focus on what's wrong and what's, what's wrong with the world, we lose sight of how God might want to make it right in the world. And it's sort of natural to do the first part. That's sort of a natural first reaction. But at some point, there has to be a shift in our perspective and in our focus. If you're only focused on who's to blame and how do I avoid this and how do I escape this thing, then you might miss how God wants to actually use this thing to restore people and to restore our world in this, in this life. And it's sort of important to realize, though, that the, the fact that what I want to be um, fixed and made right might not be exactly the same thing as what God wants to fix and make right. And also, for both you and me, our timing in this thing. We might want God to restore this thing right now, and the timing is right now or some point, and God's timing might be different of when he wants to restore or fix this thing in our world. But when we are able to realize that as long as I'm focused on who's to blame, as long as I'm focused on the problem, as long as I'm focused on this thing, I'm losing sight of. I literally almost can't see what God wants to restore and how God might want to restore something in this world. And really that shift can really change our hearts. It can change our perspective. It can change the way we view these in the meantime circumstances of life. And we sort of begin to see God that really God, you've been on display all around us, even though I couldn't see it. And in this situation that we thought nothing good can ever come from this, like nothing good can come from this, you've been at work and our eyes have sort of maybe been closed or we've been sort of focused on something else and we weren't looking over here. And I want to just give you a quick example that you're actually looking at right now. Um, we're actually using the church online platform created by Life.Church in Oklahoma. And when churches moved to online services only back in March, um, since then we've seen 170,000 people indicate a tr putting their trust in Jesus for the first time. Just through the, online, the church online platform, not counting YouTube and Facebook and all the other avenues that churches are putting their services online. On Easter, there was over 10 million people that attended an online service for Easter that probably normally would not have attended a church in person if that was the only option. And that's just some of the things that, that God is doing through this situation. And it's so easy that when we're in the, in the meantime situation of life, it's so easy to think that it's the worst thing that's ever happened to us. But I just want to let you know that in my life, at least, at least in my life, through this coronavirus, it's taught me to be a better father. It's taught me to be a better husband. And it's teaching me to continue to put my trust in Jesus over whatever my fear is of what could potentially happen. And I just want you to imagine with me for just a moment, just for a few seconds here, if you were somehow able to focus less on who's to blame and what's the problem and why did this happen and shift your focus to, God, what are you doing to restore this situation? God, how is your power on display in this world right now because of this situation? Can you imagine the weight that sort of would be lifted off of your shoulders if you were sort of able to shift your focus and to make that change in your life and to stop playing the blame game and to stop you know, analyzing it to death, but then to look at and, and observe how might God's power be on display because of this situation and through this situation? And if you didn't have to worry about, you know, did you deserve this? Does our country deserve this? Does our world deserve this? Or something, you know, is God punishing us? Is this going to sort of go on forever? Like, how would it change the way that you looked at your family? The way that you looked at your job and your health and your, and your finances and you looked at everything in life? How would it change that if you could shift your focus from seeing the problem to seeing how God might want to restore and fix the problem? And what if the people around you, what if the people around you could see hope and joy and peace and the presence of God in your life through this circumstance? 
How do you think it might change this, the people around you? How might it change their view and their relationship with God? How might it change or add joy or peace to their life if they saw it in your life? Um, how would it change their faith if God's power was on display in your life through this circumstance? How would it impact them to see that God is really present with you? And I want to imagine with you what would happen if in the meantime, we could somehow realize or somehow come to the conclusion that this new normal does include God being concerned, God being present, and God being loving. That this, this in the meantime situation, if somehow we could receive this as an opportunity that comes with both a promise and a purpose. That the promise is that God's always going to be with us and His grace is sufficient for us. If somehow we could learn the secret of contentment that when everything outside is chaos, inside we can actually be okay. And we can somehow understand that God can actually live inside of us. Christ can live in us and he can empower us. If we could somehow come to the place of, God, what are you doing through this situation? Instead of blaming and looking for the reason for the problem. What if we were somehow able to trust that God can restore what seems broken? So for some of you, maybe that's what you need to do. You need to spend some time that, you know, right now or next few moments or next, next week saying, God, how can I shift my focus? Because I'm not trusting you as much as I should. I'm really worrying too much about the problem. And God, what might you want to do to restore this situation? What might you want to use me to restore in other people's lives? But maybe for others of you, what you need to do is you need to put your trust in Jesus for the first time. That maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you did it a long time ago. Or maybe you're not even sure you can put your trust in God. Like, how could I put my trust in God? But maybe for you, the thing that you could do today is to put your trust in God. Because God can restore what seems broken. And really, that's the story of God throughout history. And especially in the story of Jesus. That God wants to restore what seems broken. And He wants to do that in your life and in my life as well. That God wants to restore you from brokenness no matter what it is that caused your brokenness. No matter who it is that you actually, you know, maybe were broken around or with or caused the brokenness in your life. No matter what it is that you did to break yourself or others, God is wanting to be in your life. Because God doesn't look at you as a problem to be solved. He looks at you as a person to love. And he does love you. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'd love for you to follow along with the prayer as just a way to sort of indicate you putting your trust in God for the first time. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus' life. Thank you for this story of Jesus talking to this blind man and showing us that it might not even be our fault, it might not be our parents' fault, but there's brokenness in this world. And God, we can see it. We see the brokenness right now especially. But God, we also see the brokenness in ourselves as well. So God, we want to put our trust in you because it seems like you're the only one who can restore brokenness. You have the power to, to give new life. So God, in my life right now, would you help me to trust you today? Would you help me to trust you that you can restore what's broken inside of me and what's broken outside of me? And God, I put my trust in you alone. Would you help me not to trust myself because I've already tried to fix it and I can't. So God, would you help me to put my trust in you, the God who can restore what is broken. In Jesus' name, amen.